Praise the Lord. Father, we bless you. We thank you for the Holy Ghost. We thank you, Holy Ghost, that I speak your words, not mine. Thank you for your presence in here today. Thank you for the joy of the Lord is our strength. Thank you for guiding us. Thank you, Father, for every meeting, for every event. There was a plan, purpose, and we shall pursue this, Father, in the name of Jesus. Praise the Lord. Your expectation, um, you get what you expect. That's simple. You get what you expect. So if your expectation is that I'm indifferent, I'm just here, I'm just kind of settling in and what happens, happens, then you won't get what God has for you. You see, because the corporate anointing is always greater than the individual anointing. You see, it's that, it's that pulling, it's that joining that causes the manifestations. Uh, I can flow in the gifts of the Spirit. Um, I can flow in whatever God wants me to. But what actually determines the level of that flow is you. What you expect God to do. So as you sit and as you listen, I want you to um, expect God to answer you. I want you to believe that the Lord's going to give revelation where you need it. um, And that things will come. See, what we're talking about here this morning is stay in the plan at all costs. And, and this is going to be <laughs> on the left side and on the right side. And we're going to try to find balance here as, 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 as we go. Uh, I remember a, a minister many years ago. Um, he kind of, you know, I was early and I was young in the Lord. I didn't know very much at the time, I guess. Still don't know a lot now, I guess. But you, still, you learn along the way, right? And, and he was preaching about, um, you know, he, he was in the South and he had death threats and everything. And, and you know, his, his wife, he said, had gone out to the car because they received some death threats, and because he was the man of God, she went out in the car in the morning to start the car to make sure there was no bomb in it. And he said, what a woman, you know, putting, you know, the man of God, you know, ahead of herself and going out and starting that car. And he was saying, you know, that was the great thing. And I was sat there, young, very young in the Lord, and I thought, that doesn't sound right to me. It doesn't sound right to me. I'm like, I'm like, that's kind of cowardice, you know. You put your wife out the front to, to go take the hit for you. And I said, I can find scripture. After that, I learned about scriptures, you know, about, about, you know, Adam's supposed to watch over Eve. It was really his fault, although she stepped into it. He didn't guide properly, right? You know, I, I, and a lot of things about, you know, love your wife like Christ loved the church. And I thought to myself, I'm, there's something wrong with that guy. And th- there's, there's, there, there are things, there are things in that, that are in religion, that are in um, different churches and different systems and different groups and different places that you pick up along the way that you think that it's not right because it's unscriptural. It's not according to the word, you see. And what ends up happening is that people take this religious stuff and they run with it. And I remember Brother Hagen saying this. He was, he was ministering and the power wasn't flowing the way he wanted to. There was things not happening. He was getting some good results, you know, when he was pastoring for a little bit. And he said, but not enough. Not, not enough that he was satisfied, especially with the way he was praying and seeking the Lord. And he went before God and the Lord said this to him. The Lord said you, something to this effect. He said, you preach. Um, he goes, you're not preaching the word. And he goes, what do you mean? He said, well, and he said, look at what you're preaching. Because when you're preaching the word, the signs will follow. And he checked up on it and he realized that he was preaching like 30% word. I think it was something like, you know, 30% religion and something like 30% unbelief or to that effect. It doesn't quite equal 100, but you, you know, do the math. Um, and, and, and so, so he's, he, he checked up on it and he said, I've been preaching the word. 
You see, signs don't follow my opinion. Signs don't follow religious words, religious things, religious signs follow the word of God. And if you don't have the word of God being preached or taught, if you don't meditate and spend time in the word, then you grow up um, a little bit lopsided. Um, things don't function properly. And you always wonder why, God, things aren't functioning the way they, they're supposed to function. It's because you don't put the word first place. You put your opinion, you put religion, you know, you put, you know, um, what someone else said on it, and the word doesn't follow. So, as I'm talking here about staying in the plan, one of the things that we've talked about recently is about um, the challenges you will face as a Christian. And this is something that is not taught because different camps have different emphasis. And on some camps, it's power, Holy Ghost, you know, get filled, rejoice, and run around, and that's the way things are. In other camps, it's, you know, not so, you know, it's, it's everything's hard, everything is difficult, everything's challenging. You know, you are meant to be a worm, and, and, and that's what they preach, okay? Different camps have different things, and no camp has all the balance. You know, um, our camp, I believe, has more balance than others. But you go down to the church of the, of the, of the, of the corner, you know, they're preaching good word. But they might be preaching, you know, you tithe and give offerings, but, you know, it's okay to be sick. It's not the word. You see? So some of the things that have come up in, around staying in the plan at all costs is, is this. We, we, we think we're not supposed to be challenged. Yet in 1 Peter 4.12, I believe, yeah, 1 Peter 4.12, it says this. Don't think it's strange concerning the fiery trial which is about to try you. As though some strange thing happened to you. You see, when the word goes forth, you will be challenged. Yeah. What do I mean by that? You hear the word, you are obligated to follow that word and obey it. But when you hear that word, that word will be challenged. And that is why you can hear the word, walk out of the building, and forget what was preached. Because the moment you get out there, on the way to the front, the, the, the enemy will say to you, yeah, she didn't say hi to me. He didn't say hello. Look at the attitude that was given there. You know what? I don't really believe what the pastor said in that. And all of a sudden, these thoughts start coming to you. And you miss what God... And by the time you get to the car, you're already thinking about what you're going to eat for, for lunch. And you have completely forgotten the word. And if I could, Creflo Dollar did this many years ago. I remember, remember he said, you know, he would he'd sit in the back and he'd, he'd preach a great message. People would shout and jump and scream and holler and everything else. And he'd sit in the back and, and as they came out, he'd say, um, so, you know, what I preach? I don't know, pastor, but it was a real good word. <laughs> you see? Because the word is the only thing. Impartations are important. And we've learned that recently. And I love that. Impartations are extremely important. The gifts of the Spirit and the flow of the Spirit is extremely important. The Word trumps everything. Brother Hagin used to say this. He said he, because of his ministry, he would go out and he would, preach the, he would preach the Word, but then manifestations, signs and wonders, and people get delivered. He said, walk away sometimes and say, Lord, you know, I, I'd just rather sit longer with them and, and teach them. He goes, because at least that way I know they'll keep it. You see, you can have a manifestation of the Spirit and not keep the healing that you've received because you weren't taught the Word. I had a friend many, many years ago at a church that I attended. And, you know, I think, I don't know if it was Sean Back or one of those guys that come by, but powerful evangelist. And, and he came in and, you know, he, 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 pre, he ministered. He's an evangelist. And he said, okay, people come up who's deaf. And my friend was deaf in one ear. I think I've told a story before. Deaf in one ear. So my friend goes up. Listen, I was sitting beside my friend, and I know as much as I'm sitting, sitting on this side, 
and I say something this way, they cannot hear me. And sometimes I get frustrated. Greg, would you stop talking to me in that ear? I cannot hear you. So they kind of turn around like this and look. And, and I say, okay, sorry, I keep forgetting, right? Um, and, and so they went up to the front. He laid hands on them, and they were healed. They were set free. They were delivered. I know because I went to, he plugged the ear, and he just whispered and did it behind them. And, and they, were, they were crying and everything else. And they could hear out of the ear they couldn't hear, of, hear out of for many, many, many years. So I'm like, oh, isn't that wonderful? You got a miracle. And I'm like, yeah, it isn't great. God healed me. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and so I, not knowing anything, not knowing that, you know, you have to watch your words sometimes, especially when people are growing. I said at the back of the church, after about 10 minutes of discussion, I said, so, so God healed you. You, you healed? I, I, I think so. I guess so. <laughs> well, by the morning, that deafness had returned. They weren't taught the word of God. That the enemy will try to put back on you what God just took off of you. You see? And so you must resist and stand. So when, when I got healed many, many years ago, and you know, that was Dr. Ed Dufresne, he laid hands on me, my leg extended, my back was, was fine, was, I was having issues and stuff like that. And the first thing I knew was that doesn't matter what comes to your mind. Doesn't matter what comes to your head. The, the power went into me. I received that power, and I continued to confess that power. He was not about to steal from me what God had already given me. And this is how the enemy works. He comes to steal the manifestations. He comes to steal the word. As you're sitting in this church, you have been taught great word. We have renowned individuals coming through this pulpit. And yet still... In hearing this word, there are some people who still entertain the thought of leaving the plan of God and walking out of this place when God has set them in the church. It shocks me sometimes how carnal people can be. Because I didn't like what you said. I didn't like how you said it. I didn't like that she didn't smile with me. I didn't like that he was upset with me. And so you're ready to separate yourself from a divine plan and a divine call and a divine place where God has actually set you before the foundation of the earth and you're going to get vexed and walk out of here because you don't like what somebody did. You really don't understand God. Amen. You cannot understand God and walk away from his divine plan. And it's because in churchdom, in Christendom, what we've done is this. Oh, well, okay, you know, I choose the church. I choose the pastor. I choose the flow. I choose my Big Mac. I choose my fries. And I choose my, my Burger King burger. I choose everything. Not God. That fast food mentality, that I'm entitled mentality, will get you entitled out of the plan of God. And, that in, and you will stand before him someday and give an account as to why you decided that you were going to get offended over foolishness. God set you someplace. And in setting you there, he knew you were going to be tried. He knew that there were going to be people who would, people who would be offended, you would be offended by who, or who would offend you. He knew that. He knew that you wouldn't get along with everybody. Some, <laughs> some, <laughs> that's right, sister. You might as well preach it. It's true. <laughs> you know, he, 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 he knew. He, he knew. See that that the, there was there'd be some some conflicts here and there, but he also knew that if you follow the word, those edges, those rough edges, get smoothed out. Yeah. 
And he knew that as long as you stay put and kept your heart right that, and kept your attitude right, that you would grow and you would develop to a place where you could be a living stone that was placed in, in a congregation and then much change occur just because you were there. God thought about it before he placed you here. I don't care if you don't. Well, I do care. But <laughs> Some word is difficult to receive. Correction can be challenged to receive for anybody. Correct my kids, they don't like it. Give me attitude. Okay, and I'm like, you know, it's like whatever. All right, that, I'm like, whatever, okay. I'm your daddy, I'm not your friend. I'll be your friend after I, I correct you and, and, and direct you, right? And they're good kids, don't get me wrong. But they're a perfect example for me to use because they're mine, right? If I, if I was to start talking about your kids, it wouldn't be too good. And so, 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 it's, yeah, all right there. So, so. You know, we, so we, we, we've got to learn, saints, that there are things that it's going to take time for you to digest. Yes, yes. You know, you, you get the word. It's like, you know, it's like somebody who's, who's been eating mashed potato all the time, and then you get this nice, great, big, juicy steak that Rob makes. You know, you know, or, or Nigel buys you some oxtail or something, and you, you know, you know, it's, and, you, and you get, and you've never had it before, and you're like, oh man, you know, it's kind of, kind of a little bit hard on my stomach. It's all spicy and whatever, and and then you realize, oh, it's not too bad. You eat it somewhere, yeah, it's pretty good. You see, the word can be like that. You get it, and it doesn't sit right with you. You're like, God, oh, that rubs me the wrong. I'm like, man, sometimes pastors preaching there, and I'm like, jeez, oh, do they know? Do they know that I'm going? Do they know? Do they know? You know, because it's rubbing me. Yeah. It's rubbing me because I got to smooth out that edge. Sure. You see? And so, so what ends up happening is like, I, I don't ever say, hmm. I don't, I don't like that word. I know God too well to know that. I, I walk away saying, okay, Lord, you know, I, was, I, was, I was not comfortable in that. I need to change some stuff. <laughs> you need to help. And you know what? You need to give me revelation. That is the next problem we, we, and challenge we have. We don't ask God for revelation of the word. Spoon-fed baby food. You know, you can't do that all your life. You see, at some point in time, you have to go to God. Don't expect God come to you. Yeah. You see, when you're young, God comes to you. When you get mature, you go to God. That's right. Let me say that again. You see, when, when, when you get mature, you go to God. You start asking him about him. You start asking him about his plan. You start asking him, what do you have in store for me? You know what Brother Hagen said that he, every, every the beginning of every, every year, he writes down his plan. And then he says, God, what do I do here? Is this what you want here? Can, can I do this? Is that okay? And then he looks and he considers in his spirit and he blocks off some dates and some dates in his spirit he, he feels he should leave open and, and, and he does that. Because he wants to know God's plan. The Holy Ghost is such a gentleman that he's not going to come and deliver and lay everything out for you like that. He ain't going to come lay it all out. He's going to lay some stuff out. Then he's going to say, are you interested? Are you interested? You see, uh, let me use my kids again. Okay, so, so, you know, the other day one of them said, I said, what are you putting that on to wearing that to church? And they said, well, well I, don't, I, don't have, I don't have any, you know, church, more church stuff. I want more church stuff. They're like three or four, four items. I'm like, how can you have only three or four items of church stuff? I said, why is it that, that you only have three? Well, because, you know, it's, it's in there. I'm like, well, did you tell us that you needed church clothes? Because you're growing? Oh, no? Well, how, how am I supposed to know? Communication, you got to tell me. Yes. You see, the perfect thing, when you have kids or you observe those who do have kids, you learn about a lot about the relationship, how God kind of works. It's so true. And, and you do that because there's this, you love them with all your heart. 
But, there, but there's things that you learn in that relationship with, with your kids that you're like, that's real interesting. And you realize that, well, I do that with God all the time. So why am I getting frustrated with my kid for? I mean, man, God must be getting frustrated. I better fix some stuff quick. You learn some stuff along the way. You see, religion to God stinks. Gossip to God stinks. Rebellion to God stinks. Lying to God stinks. Okay? All these things. But folks, you got to stay in the plan at all costs. You're going to get challenged. 1 Thessalonians 2, 17, 18 says this. But since we were bereft of you, brethren, for a little while in person, of course not in heart, we endeavored the more eagerly and with great longing to see you face to face, because it was our will to come to you. I mean that I, Paul, again and again, wanted to come, but Satan hindered and impeded us. That's 1 Thessalonians 2, 17, 18, that's amplified. But Satan impeded us. Satan put pressure so we couldn't get there. Satan brought persecution so we couldn't arrive. Satan tried to keep the the, the finances out so we couldn't go. Satan caused pestilence in the region. Satan caused war in the region. Satan caused criminal activity in the region. Satan did something to prevent us from coming to you. When I start to understand that well, I was so green, I was like, God can do anything. I, I can't believe that. Satan can hinder a minister of, of, of the gospel from going someplace until I learned, until I started, you know, grew up a little bit, and I recognized that you can be denied access because of Satan. And I'm talking to everybody here because every one of you, God has a plan for your life. Every one of you, God has a plan for your business. And some of you ain't doing what you're supposed to be doing. Because you have been denied access. The enemy has come against you to hinder the plan of God. And he does it through your thoughts sometimes. He does it through the words of others sometimes. And what's what's happened? You bought it. You've just said, okay, I guess I can't do it. Nothing that you do for God is just going to be a natural thing. It's got to be done by faith. Everything you do for God has to be done by faith. Because without faith, it is impossible to please God. For those who come to God must believe that He is and that He's a reward of them to diligently seek Him. You must exercise faith to walk into the plan that God has for you. And some of you are not called to five-fold office. But anybody called to a five-fold office, you've got to use faith to get in there. The plan must be birthed in the earth. Anybody who has a business, same thing, same concept. Okay, the plan's got to be birthed in the earth, and the enemy is watching to make sure. Oh yes, you know he goes. <laughs> the system, and you've heard this, but I have to remind you. Some of you maybe not, have not heard it. The demonic system that is set up is extremely organized. Extremely organized. Got ranks, and in those ranks, one reports into the next, that reports into the next, that reports into the next. I'm not going to go over it and you can read Daniel 10, it's in Ephesians as well, and other places in the Bible. There's a rank, okay? And the lower rank ones just do what the higher ranking ones tell them to do. And the lower ranking ones, their job is to kind of hang out on your shoulder. <clears throat> That's all they do. They hang around and they listen. And then when something is going on, they report back. And when, as they listen, they try now to deter. They try to manipulate. They try to move things in place 
people, okay, so let me give you an example. Years ago, when I'd done, started some real estate stuff, many, many years ago, I was out of university and, and just started. I remember I had worked at this office and I was, I was doing some stuff and, you know, I was kind of a little, it was tough in one sense, but not really. I'm about to have a recession and, and whatever. But I was, I was doing my thing, and I was getting some deals. And I was, everything, everyone's surprised. This is great, Craig. You know, you're young, you're blah, 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 and you're, you're getting stuff. <clears throat> well, after a while, you know, I really wanted to get into the commercial stuff, and I couldn't get in because at that time, you need to have experience. You need to know people, and, and I was trying to get in there. But there was this one man, this guy, who lived at this house, you know, up in Thornhill that, you know, he used to say, just come, just, you know, come on over. I was knocking doors one day. He said, you know, come on in. So we sat and we talked. And then he said, okay, all right, well, you know, come again. And I left. And as I left, you know, two weeks later, he said, come back again. And then I left. Then he started to tell me that I want to get into commercial. Then he started to tell me that yeah, I'm a builder. He was actually, what he was doing, he was educating me every time I sat down. Because he knew I wanted to do commercial stuff. So he started to educate me. He'd say, you know what I do with the guys at City Hall? He goes, I, I kind of, I go down there, I take them a bottle of wine. He goes, I just, you know, talk to them for a little bit. I don't go to their parties. I just say, I'm here, you know anything you need me and it goes away and then he starts to explain to me you know in the, the the commercial stuff here's what's happening now and so and I'm like okay this is good I didn't he didn't tell me all the details of what he did right so that went on but then over a course of months the pressure the pressure I just you know my friends were leaving the business you know things were getting tight recession and whatever and I thought you know I I just felt this pressure you need to go do something else so I went into advertising right but you need to go do something else you need to, to, to leave this stuff well about two or three months after I left, I went back to the office just to say hi to friends. And when I walked in, they said, hey. And at that time, I'd let my license expire. And they said, hey, about two weeks after you left, remember that guy you used to talk about, used to go around the corner? I said, I said yeah. He said, he came looking for you. He wanted to talk to you because he had some stuff for you to do. The hindrance of the enemy did this. Put in my mind and made me discouraged. And with the thought came the feeling. So I got discouraged. He put people around me who said, you know, this is not enough. For, this, is not, this is something I can't be doing. So because they were leaving, I thought maybe I should leave too, right? Then, then on the other side, what God was preparing was a man to actually lead me into something that I wanted to get into. But this man was a mega builder. He, was, he looked inconspicuous. He, was, you know, he, didn't, he didn't brag on himself. He had a company. He built malls. He built these things all over the place. And he came looking for me. Why didn't that happen the week before I left? Because there was something going on where the enemy was, was preventing something from taking place. But the moment that I leave, the plan has been executed. I'm no longer there. The, what was in store for me, I cannot receive. And so... It unfolds. You've got to understand that timing, patience, prayer, believing God, exercising your faith, there's a plan. And you cannot allow the enemy to deny you access. But he will try to deny you access. He will fatigue you. You'll be fatigued in doing well. 2 Corinthians 1, 8-10 says this. For we do not want you to be uninformed, brethren, this is the amplified version, about the affliction and oppressing distress which befell us in the province of Asia, how we were so utterly and unbearably weighed down and crushed that we despaired even of life itself. Indeed, we felt within ourselves that we had received the very sentence of death, but that was to keep us 
That was to keep us. But that was to keep us from trusting in and depending on ourselves instead of on God who raises the dead. For it is he who rescued and saved us from such a perilous death. And he will still rescue and save us. In and on him we have set our hope, our joyful and confident expectation that he will again deliver us from danger and destruction and draw us to himself. You will be fatigued. You know the back story to this? There was a riot in Ephesus. You see? And along the way, Paul was preaching in Asia doing stuff. And there was a riot. And they were looking for him. And they, were, they, were, they went into the house to pull somebody out of a house. And, and, and long story short, it wasn't good. And they were looking to kill Paul. Okay? And this pressure, this fatiguing, would happen because he preached the gospel. A miracle and miracles happened. After the miracles happened, people came to the Lord. And immediately, immediately after people came to the Lord, guess what happens? The enemy attacked. The enemy attacked. And, and this is... The procedure, this is the process. This is what happens. You do things for God. Okay? You preach the gospel or you send in his will and you start to execute on what he's told you to do. And guess what? Things start to happen. And guess what? He tries to fatigue you. He tries to delay stuff. He tries to cause problems. He tries to bring dissent. He brings something to stop you from flowing. This business people, I will tell you as I'm speaking to you right now, some of you. This is your very problem. You've allowed the enemy to fatigue you. And you cannot allow him to fatigue you. The way you don't allow him to fatigue you, I'll show in a second. So you will be denied access. You will be fatigued. You will also be rejected. Now this is not a pretty message, is it, in the beginning. But it's, it'll help you, right? It, it'll help you. It's sobering. You'll be denied access. You'll be fatigued. And you will be rejected. Flip over, if you would, to Acts 17. <clears throat> says this. I'm going to read the Amplified Version, okay? Acts 17. Praise the Lord. Acts 17, verse 1. I'm going to read 1 to 3 and then verse 5. Now after Paul and Silas had passed through Amphipolis and Apollonia, they came to Thessalonica, where there was a young synagogue, sorry, where there was a synagogue of the Jews. And Paul entered, as he usually did, and for three Sabbaths he reasoned and argued with them from the Scriptures. So he's preaching the Word. He's in the will of God. He's in the plan of God. He's doing what God wants him to do. He's explaining them and quoting messages, setting forth and proving that it was necessary for the Christ to suffer and rise from the dead. And saying, this Jesus, whom I proclaim to you, is the Christ, the Messiah. But the unbelieving Jews were aroused to jealousy. And getting a hold of some wicked men, ruffians and rascals, and loungers in the marketplace, they gathered together a mob, set the town in uproar, and attacked the house of Jason, Seeking to bring Paul and Silas out to the people. Gospel preached, people persuaded, resistance and persecution. So when God sets you in a church, expect the same process. The word will be preached. The enemy doesn't like the word be preached. Miracles will happen. You'll set free and you'll be set free and start walking on the path. And the enemy will come around to try to cause issues to move you out of this place. But you've got to be so determined that you're going to stay in the plan at all costs. And this is where you see those who stick it out versus those who flounder and will then end up standing before the Lord and not give an account. I've known people who've left here. Hmm, I remember one time. 
um, there was stuff, some stuff going on. It was many years ago. And um, Pastor Craig called me and said, some stuff going on here. He goes, I'm getting ripped. I'm getting accused. I'm getting... And he goes, it's... It, I, I, Greggy, I... And I said, yeah, so what, what's going on? He explained to me. And what ended up happening was there was a, a man who didn't like what was said or what happened and said that he was going to go to the, the newspapers and to attack us. And all of what he was doing was all lies. It was all lies. All of it was lies. There was no truth in it whatsoever. All lies. And, and Pastor Greg kind of said, Greg, I, you know, it's like, you know, we're sitting here preaching the gospel, doing it. I said, I, said, yeah. I said, yeah. And we talked a little bit. And then you know, we prayed, and then he took it to prayer. Um, long, that man ended up leaving the church, clearly. And long story short, there came a time, not too long after that, where the man had a loss in his family. When the people died. Um, and I thought to myself, and I'll tell you, I will tell you this. I don't know, Pastor, I'll tell you. I've seen this happen more than once. I've seen people come against this ministry more than once and end up having somebody who goes home early. Right? A, a very close, a, a loved one. Right? Um, and I say that because this person was here loving the ministry, loving the ministers, loving the people. But because... They allowed the enemy to come in. It ended up where they hated the ministry, hated the pastors, and hated the people. And you wonder how somebody can go from such a loving, kind, seemingly kind, generous people. I used to see them. I used to say hi. To hating everything. It's because they did not allow themselves, they did not allow the word to change them. And they got offended. It took offense. Now I'm going to pause here a minute. Before I go to the next point. And I'm pausing because in my spirit. I feel this. In the atmosphere. So ask yourself what's going on. I'm feeling something strange in the atmosphere. When you preach. You. Um. When you're doing it, you're flowing the Holy Ghost. You, you learn how things are going in and things are bouncing back. Things are going in. I can feel it. But there's something. There's something else outside. I felt it when I came into the church and I sat there. I want us to just take a minute to pray in the Holy Ghost because I'm not quite sure what that is. Right? But whatever it is, I can feel it. And I don't know if it's because we have to enter into joy. I don't know if, if some of your... I don't know what that is. I just know it's there. And I know as I flow... I've got that permission to say, let me pause for a second, because something is not right. Just take a minute to pray in the Holy Ghost. Father, we bless you. We praise you. We worship you. And we adore you. I see me show no 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 kesa hetela in day to see the gain a jada. Mosu gina male me chente vine Jesu. Jesu mahakite ko da Jesuki. Jesu makanechete hasoki. Jesu makanembidida malaye. Jesu mahizio de kinale esuki. Hasu mahitaine ke soki. Hasu mahala yesuki shiniki. Hai sukenele. Hai sukenele. Hai sukenele. I dekoni shia. Hai seloni. Some of you are struggling with something. Hai solo ichina hete konai yesuki. Ai yesuki aseya. Oh yesu yushiki. Stir up your joy. Allah shinoni niya. Allah le shoni niya. Stir up your joy. 
Hasina Heletokiniki. Stir up your joy. Masia. Masia Maite. Masia Maite Keneseba. Stir up your joy. Hasita Late. Hasita Late. Hasila Tahende. Stir up your joy. Hadesalaye. Oi Kishande. Ei Suki. Ah, yeah, stir up your joy. Some of you are being oppressed. Ah, stir up your joy. For on the other end of that joy, ah, you will see deliverance come in. Like a wave, like a flood. A hand of the, 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 of the Lord to deliver, to set free. Besonde, besonde, besonde. Sunday, stir up your joy, Heleto, 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 stir up your joy, Heleto, 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 stir up your joy, Yanina, 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 oh, yes, see, some of you are going through it, Alayetu, 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 some of you are going through it, Alayetu, but God is here, to set free, set free, aha, to deliver, aha, to Change aya, osimaye, osimaye. Stir up your joy. Let's stand up with me, yatoye. Stand up with me, laye shiki. Stand up with me, oshikiki. We're having church in here. Stand up with me, lashiki. Stir up your joy. Ayesoye, ayesoye, ayesoye. Stir up your joy. Ayesoye, hoti, 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 hoti mane. Hanenena, haname. Stir up your joy. Alayetuki, alayetuki. Maya yesoye. I say, I say, I say, I say, I say, stir up your joy. Deliverance has come. Your deliverance has come. Your deliverance has come. Yeah, 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 yes. Your deliverance has come. Yeah, yo, yeah, yeah. Your deliverance has come. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, oh, yeah. Your deliverance has come. Stir up your joy. Yes, so tiniki. Ah, yes, so kiki. For your deliverance has come. Ah, yes, shiki. It is written in heaven that you were delivered. It is written in heaven that you were separated. It is written in heaven that you have victory. It is written in heaven of the blessings that God has in you. Stir up your joy and receive it by faith. Stir up your joy and receive it by faith. Oh, yeah, 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 Kim. Oh, yes, so. Oh, yes, so. I break that opposition. I break that bondage in this house in the name of Jesus. I break that bondage over your lives. I break that bondage, that issue, that problem, that thing that is holding you back. Oh, yes, see, Shidiki. Devil, take your hands off these people in the name of Jesus. Oh, yeah, yeah. We have victory. 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 Oh, yes, Sita. Victory. Victory. I am Esuki. I am Esuki. Victory, Father. Victory. Holy Ghost. Move now. Move. Move. Bring healing. Bring healing, I say to keep. 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 Bring healing, I hear so keep. Of that situation, of that body, hear so keep. Bring healing, I shame. Lashay, 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 lashay. You wonder, Lashiki, you wonder, Lashiki, which you already know. Lashito siya, yosiyatea, 
Yosiatea, Yosiatea, Mena Nishaiti, Oso de Shinare, Hena Mosoya, Hena Mosoya, there's a new thing happening in your life, Oshitiriki, unlike whatever has happened before, Yeshotiriki, a new thing is happening, Olashitiriki, and it will cause you to rejoice even more than you ever rejoiced before, Alashetusiki, it's a new thing, Ositashiki, Hoye, 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 Hoye. Hoye, 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 halayesho, ayayesu, inamayeke, mesuki, mesuki, hoye ishare hoteya, hoye nisharateya, holy sharamateya, mesudi, 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 hatisha, hoyaleshuti, anishoye, anishoye, anishoye. Father, we rejoice. We rejoice in you. 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 We rejoice in you, Father. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise God. Be seated. Praise God. You see the thing, saints? About flowing in the Holy Ghost? You just do what He tells you to do in your heart. You see? You can feel it. I can feel it. Some of you are going through some stuff. Ma'am, ma'am, I don't know you. I just know you've come here and your family's recently come here. I don't know you, but I know this. I know what was before is no longer. I know there's things that are increasing for you. I know that there's a new place that you're coming into. I know that there are things that, whether there was sickness, there's healing. Whether there was problems, there's deliverance. Whether there's issues, there's praise on the end of that. And wonderful things are coming in store. Just keep moving on. Just keep moving forward. God sees your heart and the hunger. He sees the things that you want from him. I don't know your history. I just know this. You're in the right place, and I know this. Strength is coming. Strength is coming to whatever that need was. Strength is coming to it, and deliverance is there. Just rejoice in the Lord. Continue rejoicing in the Lord. Praise you, Father. We bless you. I was thinking about you guys. I don't know you. I was just thinking about you in the back room. And he kept saying that to me. I said, Lord, I don't know them. I don't know them. He said, yeah, but it was... And it's not, no, it was, but it's increasing. It was, but it's going to be better. It was, but now, I said, okay, Lord, okay, I don't know if that means anything. And I tell people, don't mean it, put it on the shelf. Just put it on the shelf. But that is what the Lord puts on my heart when I see you. More things, more things, more things. Restoration, restoration, blessing and restoration. Increase in things. Restoration, restoration, restoration. A, a, a stepping forward. Restoration, restoration, restoration. As I say, if it doesn't mean nothing, just put it on the shelf. But that's what God says to me. Praise God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. But even though you will be denied, even though you will be fatigued, even though you will be rejected, you will be forbidden sometimes and you will be redirected. You will be forbidden sometimes and you will be redirected because you're in God's plan. Turn over to Acts 16. Acts 16 verse 6 to 10 says, says this. Now when they, meaning Paul and company, had gone through Phrygia and the region of Galatia, they were forbidden by the Holy Spirit to preach the word in Asia. Imagine God telling you, you can't do what he's told you to do. He's told you you are forbidden to do something at that time, in that place. It does not mean a denial. It means he is orchestrating things perfectly to make sure his plan folds smoothly for you. I remember a, a lady, and you might see her on television. Um, she has some house, house, house show, and her and her husband, um, Chip, or something like that. And, and, and he, he, he does stuff. But if you read the, the story of that lady, she had a business before. And the business was starting to take off and doing really, really well. And she was house renovations and a whole bunch of stuff. And then God said to her, um, stop. She said, what do you mean, Lord? I'm, he goes, stop. I want you to go and I want you to take care of your kids. That's it. 
She goes, but God, this is, the business is moving. It was, he goes, close it down. Now, how many of you would obey God and close it down? She closed it down. And when she closed it down, she went to take care of her kids. After a few years, the Lord said, now start it up again. When she started that thing up, it just took off. And now she's on television. She's all over America. She's doing a ton of stuff. And she tells a story. When God said to do this, she did it. It's obedience to the Holy Ghost. The Spirit of God knows stuff. A delay is not a denial. His timing is perfect. So these guys are going to preach the word in Asia. And the Holy Ghost says, not now. Not now. Wait, not now. So he says, the Holy Spirit, forbid them by the Holy Spirit to preach the word in Asia. After that, they had come to Mycenae. They tried to go into Bithynia. They tried, but the Spirit did not permit them. They're on a path. They're walking on this path. And then the Holy Ghost says, although the, 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 the word is go preach, Holy Ghost says, not here. They turn this direction, because that's the only direction they can go. And the Holy Ghost says, not here. He directs them to a different direction. But they're still on a path moving forward. Okay? So verse 8. So passing by Mycenae, they came down to Troas, and a vision appeared to Paul in the night. A man of Macedonia stood and pleaded with him, saying, Come over to Macedonia and help us. Now after they had seen the vision, immediately we sought to go to Macedonia, concluding that the Lord had called us to preach the gospel to them. You do what God tells you to do, until he tells you to change direction. I've been in the way the Lord led me. I've been on the path. And sometimes things are not clear because you're not walking on the path. Or you've stopped waiting for God to do something next. And God has said, keep walking until I tell you to stop. Because as you are walking, I am directing you. I'm telling you to go left. I'm telling you to go right. There's a scripture in the Old Testament that says, I will, walk to, I will hear a voice behind me saying, as I walk to the left or right, this is the way, go ye in it. You see? So as you're moving, as you are making progress, the Holy Ghost is going to be directing you. But if you sit there waiting for him to tell you something before you move, you will not get the something. Do what he's already told you to do. And when the enemy tries to forbid you, deny you, fatigue you, cause you, cause you not to be, have access to some place, rebuke him, get into praise, get into worship. And I'm going to talk about that in a sec. Okay? But through all of this, understand this, you will be delivered. You will be delivered. I, I didn't read it before, but I'm, but I'm going to attach it to one of those scriptures I, I, I actually said. Well, what ended up happening was when Paul was having challenges, um, they were being pushed against, they were being persecuted, they felt the pressure of death upon them, they didn't want to do it. I didn't read the verse 11 of, that, of that, 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 that account. Because verse 11 said this, I needed to put it here, to show you that you're going to be delivered, even though the pressure is there. He said this, While you also cooperate by your prayers for us, helping and laboring together with us, thus the lips of many persons turned toward God will eventually give thanks on our behalf for the grace, the blessings of deliverance granted us at the request of the many who have prayed. Paul was essentially saying this, you prayed for us, so deliverance came. You prayed for us as we were praying, so deliverance came. There are many of you who are sitting here who think that people aren't praying for you, but the Holy Ghost is waking up people and telling them to pray for you. There are people here who are interceding for you, who are standing in the gap for you. There are times when I will walk around and I don't even, I'm like, Lord, what's going on? All of a sudden, I feel the power. I feel the anointing. I feel the energy of God. I'm like, what is that? I've come to know over time. That means people are praying for me. And that's how I can tell. 
even when I'm praying for myself. But it becomes this thing where it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's an intense, it's almost like you plug your hand into electric, electrics. There's electricity flowing. I can feel it. I can feel like I can do anything. I can feel like I can step through anything. It's a power, it's a, something that falls on me. I'm like, wow. I said, wow, what is that? Or even as early, we used to say, what is that? But I've come to know, that's when people are praying for me. There are people praying for you. And as you pray for others, the Holy Ghost sets people to pray for you. You are part of the body of Christ in this local assembly. It is important to God that you succeed in your personal lives and in your business lives and in whatever else you're doing. That is what God wants for you. But remember this, because you're united together, that he will wake somebody up just for you. I remember a story many years ago. There was a lady, um, she was sitting in Australia, and the missionary was in Africa, okay? That's how intercession and prayer works. And I would encourage you to yield to that when the Holy Ghost t- tells you to yield to that in your, in your home. He's going to be telling you more to do that, I know that. Um, and he said, she said she got up in the middle of the night, and she began to pray. She didn't know who she was praying before, but she had a burden to pray. So she began to pray. <clears throat> she continued until for a few hours until she got a, a note of victory, a release in her spirit that whatever she was praying for had been done. And that release was um, joy. That release you know, can be um, singing in the spirit. But there's a spontaneous release that comes when you've stepped over something and, and, and you've got the answer. She said as she did that, she saw a vision. She saw a man, and she knew he was in Africa, and she, she saw a blanket go over his head. And then she saw the blanket come off of his head. And she saw, saw him stand up. She, he stood up. So she never knew the man. She, knew his, she saw his face, but she never knew the man. She said years later, she was at a, a missionary conference, and she saw a man. And she saw the man. And she went up to him and said, sir, sir. And they exchanged notes to find out that the moment that she, what she saw was, was real. The moment that she was praying and she got in that deliverance, the man actually had died. And he came back. So when she saw the blanket go over his head and come off of his head, she recognized that he, he, he lived now. And the man just they exchanged journals the exact, exact same date. There are things you will reach and you will touch in places and in people's lives that sometimes you won't know. Sometimes God will show you. But the fact of the matter is because you're in this local assembly and you are set here, the Holy Spirit can do things for you because you are in the divine plan and divine will of God. Because you are situated in the divine plan and divine will of God, there are things that God can do for you. You are not alone, saints. So what keeps you in God's plan? What is it that keeps you in God's plan? What is it that allows you to stay in the plan at all costs? What are the things that you need to do to to stay put, stay in in what God has for you? Your words keep you in God's plan. Number one, I'm going to give you like five points and I'm going to close. Your words keep you in God's plan. If you are talking about the saints sitting here in church, you will school yourself into disliking them. I tell my kids this and I keep saying it. You will have what you say. If you keep saying something, you're going to school yourself your heart into believing it, even if you really didn't believe it in the beginning. And if you have a sense of it and you keep speaking it, it will manifest, even in your own life. Your words keep you in God's plan. If you are speaking against the pastors and the ministers, then you are going to school yourself into disliking what they have to say. 
And then you begin to go backwards. Watch your words. You don't have to agree with everything. But you do have to take everything to God. And ask him to give you revelation of it. You don't have to agree with it right because you're not going to understand everything all the time. Because different people are different faces. But you do take it to God. You don't gossip about it. You don't gossip about people. He would see long days and have good life. Let him keep his lips from evil and his tongue from speak, that they speak no guile. That speaks no guile. Okay? You got to watch what you're saying. Your words will keep you in God's plan. And your words can take you out of God's plan. God works with words and sends his resources to that place. Let me say that again. God works with words and sends his resources to that place, whether that be financial, whether that be strength. So your words will keep you in God's plan. Say I'm seated. Say I'm situated. Say I'm here. Say I'm a, I'm, a, I'm, I'm a blessing to the local assembly. Say I'm a blessing to my family. Say I'm strong. Say I'm in God's Say I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. You take God's word and you speak God's word. And when you do that, God power flows to that situation. What will keep you in the plan? Your words will keep you in God's plan. Your worship, number two, will keep you in God's plan. The Samaritan woman came to Jesus and she was saying something. And Jesus said to her, um, But the hour cometh and now is when the true worshiper shall worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father seeketh such to worship him. God is the spirit. And they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. Your worship of God will keep in the plan. Because as you worship God, another thing happens. His power flows to the situation. His power flows to you. You ever want to change something in your life? Get into worship. I remember, I think it was um, Norval Hayes said, or somebody said about him, you, 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 can't, um, you can't kill a man who worships God. Someone who worships God, and I remember them, them saying about, in, in, even when he was visited somebody's house, and he's in the bed and he's worshiping, and he's because that's what he did, a lot of worship God. He said he sent somebody who had, was, someone was else in the house who was sick, and they sent him into his room after he left, so they could get healed, lying on that bed, because there was anointing in that room and in that place. Your worship keeps you in the plan of God. And oftentimes I find that we don't do enough of that. This is what's going to bring you deliverance, saints. As you sit before the Lord and you worship Him. Your worship keeps you in God's plan. What's another thing that keeps you in God's plan? Point three. Okay, all of this down to these three points. What keeps you in God? The correct attitude keeps you in God's plan. Uh, in the Old Testament, things were about, things went from action to knowing what was in the heart. Okay, so their actions, you could tell, was kind of in your heart. So they, David danced before the Lord with all his might. You can tell what was in his heart. Okay? Um, in the New Testament, it goes, what's in your heart then determines what happens on the outside. It, it's reverse. It's the heart condition manifesting what's happening on the outside. No, they seem similar, but they're not. It's a heart condition. A man is born again in the, in the New Testament. So that heart condition will then dictate, um, uh, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. Okay? So what's in that heart then comes out into the actions, okay? So in, 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 in follow, following God, um, the correct attitude is right. You can be doing something for God with a wrong attitude and he won't receive it. God loves a cheerful giver. So you can be tithing, vexed about it, and God is not receiving it. Oftentimes, although, you know, <laughs> careful how I say it, I tell people, keep your tithe till your heart gets right, now give it. Right? But, but uh, you know, we've got a budget, so keep giving your tithe. But just, just and change your heart. Right? But I, I'd say that because the, 
your heart condition determines what you get from God. So if I'm serving in the ministry of helps, but I'm giving Miss Lorraine and others an attitude over it, you're not pleasing God. I don't care how much work you do. You see? Because it's about inside. God does not see as a man sees. God, man looks at the outward appearance. God looks at the heart. This first Samuel. You see? Um, so when we're doing things, we really got to watch our attitude. Remember the Lord said this to Brother Hagen once. He said, I will judge you faster on spiritual sins than I will natural sins. Physical sins. So for me to put that in context, it was like fornication is wrong. You're not supposed to be doing that. Right? But attitude of pride, I'll judge you on that faster. It's a heart condition. Now don't, for you, those of you who are, you know, thinking, well, maybe I can go and fornicate, you know, because I'm, I'm the, listen, listen. <laughs> those of you listening to me, don't think that's what I said. That's not what I said. Okay? It's, it, you're, you still get judged for it. But, but what I'm saying is this. There is a heart condition. There's an attitude that we have to have. And sometimes that attitude must be cultivated. It's like the fruit of the Spirit. It must be cultivated. You must desire and you must change the way you're thinking. And I'll tell you, worshiping and spending time with God is it. I remember a story, a lady one time, I told it before, she was in a church, I went to visit this big church, and as I'm there, you know, I'm, you know there's this entire row you know, that's, em- that's empty. The church is like you know, a couple thousand people, right? And it was a big conference there, and the place was packed. And this one, this one older lady sat on the end, like right there, and this entire row was empty. I mean, with 10 seats. And the usher came by and said to her, you know, um, ma'am, you know, you need to. And she gave him her opinion, right? And gave him the attitude and gave him the bopping of the head. And, the twi- and, and so the seats weren't full. And he came back after and said, ma'am, that's it. People are going to be sitting there. Don't care who you're waiting for, okay? And he, he, he filled up that seat. Well, as the minister was ministering as an evangelist, he called the people who were in that seat that the lady was protecting for somebody that didn't show up. For a group of people that didn't show up. Wow. That seat, those people got up and went to the front. He said, come up here. Now, there's like thousands of people in here. But he picks this role that the lady was trying to defend. Calls them up to the front. Lays hands on them. Drug problems. Alcohol. This and that. Lays hands. Sets them free. Gets them delivered. Gets them saved. Gets them filled with the Holy Ghost. Them rejoicing all over the platform, crying, thanking God for deliverance. What would have happened if that usher didn't get that seat filled with these people who needed to hear the gospel. The attitude of this Christian older lady would be a, is a, was a defense, was something that prevented God's flow and his purposes and wills from coming to, pass, coming to pass. You see? Our attitude makes a difference. She could have been a Christian, a saint for all of her lives, you know, saying she's loving Jesus, but that wrong, stinking attitude... You know, just about had people maybe even going to hell because who knows if they would have gone out that night and had drugs and died. And that would have been held against her. Your attitude makes all the difference in the world. That's why I started with, you know, what you expect is what you get. Attitude's got to be right coming into church. You see? Two minutes, three minutes. For those of you who are well acquainted with people in the church, you've been here for a while, you have friends. There are those who I've, I've observed sometimes who have lost the understanding of an office that people stand in and become acquainted to them where they cannot receive from them at all in that area. I've watched it happen. I've watched it happen. Me, I've watched it happen to other people. Okay? If you're at the place where 
you're too acquainted with your pastors that you cannot receive from them because you're around them all the time, then you're in a challenging place. You're in a challenging place. Because the flow goes from the head, through the beard, through the body, into the congregation. Right? So we have to always be guarding our heart um, against these things, against um, you know, those who are, are familiar with. I'll, I'll tell you, not that I'm expecting you know, anybody to do anything, but I'll, I'll just tell you anyway. I mean, there's people I, God never has me prophesy to. Never, never, never. Never has me give up. Never look. And there are other people, you know, there's one young man, you can say whatever you want, but I'll tell you, every time I'm around him, I just start talking about stuff, revelation. I start giving him stuff. I start talking. And, and I'm like, I had no intention on doing that. It's because he hasn't gone, become so acquainted with me that he continues to pull. Yeah. And because of where I, my position I'm, I'm in, I just flow. I'm, I'm not even looking to do it. I never had an intention of had in any discussion, but how are you doing? All things are well. Praise God. I'll see you soon. But because of that tugging, yeah. right? Now, you got to be careful about that. Um, just because he's a young man. He, he stands in an office. Because he stands in that office, there is going to be a flow that comes from that office. And if you look at his age then you're going to be misdirected, misguided, and you're going to miss out. Because you don't understand that it's not about him, it's about the office. It's about the position that he holds. None of those gifts that flow through him did he um, sign a check for and say, they're now mine. God saw it within his will to give him those gifts. So he could stand in an office. He did not choose God. God chose him. So as he stands in that office, if because of his age or because of his fun nature, you look and you say, ah, that's just, you know, that's just Taylor, whatever. You have already missed God because that could be your very answer that would come through him. And because God plans for it to come through him, you don't get it. Smith Wigglesworth said one time he wasn't feeling well. And he went to this church, right? He was in the church. And there was these people, they didn't know as much as he knew. He didn't ask them to pray for him. He's like, ah, I can pray for myself, right? And I'm encouraging you to pray for yourself. But, but the point is that he had some pride in there about what he knew. So he went back home and he stayed sick. And he was like, oh, I'm so sick. Lord, this really just goes quick. And the Lord said, go back down to the church. Go get prayed for. He went back to the church got prayed for, he got delivered and healed. The attitude of the heart. Now I'm telling you to to, to pray for yourself, yes, but the attitude of the heart. You see, it will prevent you from receiving God's best. See, there was another another minister that that I thought about. The same thing happened to to, to him, where he didn't didn't want to receive something from somebody. Oh, Oh, that's right, it was Brother Hagen. He, he, he wanted to receive, he, he'd been asking God for years about something. He said, God, give me an answer. And he didn't get it. You know, he, God was, he just didn't get it. And then one day he decides to go to hear this Baptist guy preach. And he goes, clearly he didn't know as much word as, as Brother Hagen did. He said, we listened to this Baptist. And he said, he didn't shut his heart off because the man had said some things that were wrong. He just kept his heart open. And he said, all of a sudden, the man said something. And he goes, there's my answer. There's my answer. He did not look at the vessel or the camp, and say because that vessel or that camp doesn't know as much as my vessel or my camp, I'm going to shut myself off. 
he kept him, himself open to the word of God and God was able to get an answer over to him. How does that show you about God? The man's had visions of Jesus showing up. He's had revelations beyond his revelations. Right? Yet, God chose to use somebody who wasn't in his camp to deliver a word to him as he was sitting in a conference. Now, I'm not encouraging you to go to you know, the places with different camps. I'm not doing that. Okay? But what, what, what I'm saying is that we, you know, if you're sitting someplace and somebody's ministering, don't shut your heart off. Keep the right attitude. Last point. Your love for God keeps you in the plan. He says in John 14, 15, if you love me, keep my commandments. In John 15, 5, he says, I am the vine, you're the branches. He that abideth in me and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without, for without me, you can do nothing. Your love for God keeps you in the plan. And I already said this, but I'll say it again because it bears repeating. Last point, your honor for the local church and God's ministers keeps you in the plan. Let the elders who rule well be counted worthy of double honor, especially those who labor in the word and in doctrine. 1 Corinthians 11.30 says, discern the body, which includes the supply, but discern the body, discern your position in the body, discern what it is that you, you, you're supposed to do in the body, and serve the body. See? So bring it up to five points of everything that I've said. You want something to take away that you can easily remember. I think one, two, three, four, five points. Remember this. Your words keep you in God's plan. Your worship keeps you in God's plan. The correct attitude keeps you in God's plan. Your love for God, your love for God keeps you in, in his plan. Your honor for the local church and God's ministers keep you in the plan. If you do those things, yeah, you're doing pretty well. You're doing, you'll, 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 you'll stay. No, I'm not, there are other things clearly, prayer and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, we, we know you have to do that. But these are things, you know, attitudes of the heart. Things that we can, we can apply naturally today. Today. Amen? So let's stay in the plan at all cost. Because you are an important part of this body. You are also an important part of the global body. That God, in his foresight, saw it fit to put you in this place and set you here. And he has found it right to put you in at the end of the age. Last thing I'm going to say, 12 o'clock, 12.01. He saw it fit to take you and look through eternity... And then say, I'm going to have this one in the end days. Why did he do that in his foresight? Because he knew that he could trust you to usher in the presence of Jesus. That is an honor that no generation can ever have. Except this generation. John the Baptist was the greatest prophet. Greater than all the other prophets, according to Jesus. You know why? Because he ushered in Jesus' coming. He had ushered him into that ministry. It's the same thing with you. You're going to usher in Jesus. It is an honor and a privilege that no generation and none can talk about for an eternity. Not after, not before. It can never happen again. And when you put that up against all the issues, all the challenges, all the things, all the nonsense, you're kind of like, God, I'm, I'm really important. I'm really important to you. You have put this battle in my hands along with all these saints. Lord, I'm going to do whatever I need to do to stay in your plan. And I'm going to run this race with joy. And I'm going to do all that I need to do so I can be pleasing to you. 
And one day, Lord, I will stand before you and give an account. And for generations and eternity, for eternity, others will look at me and ask, what was it like in those end days when the power of God was poured out in such greatness, unlike even the days of the apostles? What was it like? And you're going to say, it was glorious. Stay in the place. Stay in the plan. Do what God tells you to do. Praise God. Amen.